Hi everyone, this is Jen and Sam and welcome to our podcast Miracle Mindset. Where we give you our unsolicited, probably unwanted advice. But if you want to become the best version of yourself, start believing in yourself a little bit more, then tune in every Sunday for the podcast. Cheers. Bye. So as you know, we currently don't have a sponsor yet. We don't really want to get anything on unless you fully believe in it. So whilst we wait for the perfect sponsor, we're going to sponsor ourselves. So as you will probably have seen by now, we do have our first product out. We're so, so, so proud and happy with it. It's a deck of 50 affirmation and journal prompt cards. So the reason behind doing this is we've had affirmation cards before where we've not felt like they were that personal to us or didn't kind of resonate with them. So we've made it so that you can really delve a little bit deeper into your mind, your journey, what's true to you. Yeah, so we've split a lot of the questions up between like relationships, career, mindset, and with the affirmation comes a journal prompt. So each morning we want you to stay off your phones, journal, get a little bit more mindful, and the affirmations, when you obviously delve a little bit deeper into them, they'll manifest easier for you, you'll feel so much more aligned to them, and we're so excited to bring you them. So it's 50 days of consistent journaling for you reprogramming your mind and we know how important it is to do that so we're so excited to bring you them you can buy them on our website or our etsy store message us on instagram if you have any other questions we'll obviously always be happy to speak to you but yeah hopefully you love them as much as we do hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of miracle mindset we've got a guest on today we've got amelia thompson phd no less very much (laughs) um from edinburgh don't know why I'm telling you where she's from. I know. You know what though? She's got an unreal accent. Yeah, and, she has um, an amazing accent. It's such a good episode. Obviously, little trigger warning. It is all about body image, um, disordered eating, things like that. But we literally delve into everything, like how to reframe your like anxious mind with food, like how to know if you're preoccupied with food, um, ways to be more compassionate with yourself. Like we really delve into um the nitty gritty of it and like how social media has an impact like I just think it's a really really good podcast yeah it's a really open conversation like at the end Amelia's like oh like I'm I think 34 now she's like I wish I'd known these things when I was in my 20s so like if you're listening to it and you're like oh I feel so far from that place like let this be the start of your journey or let this yeah. start to be the start of you questioning your mindset on food and eating or if you're completely fine like congratulations because it is actually not always an easy place to be and I think like Jen you said in the podcast like sorry if I sound like I'm on death's door by the way mm-hmm. um but Jen said in the podcast like every single person has a relationship with food and if it's healthy amazing but even just like if you're obsessed with the way you look it doesn't have to be necessarily food but we talk a lot about just being compassionate with yourself and stuff and and how anxieties can run your life yeah fully and if you want to like take the first step in improving your relationship with food and your body and like not having it as such a big focus in your life I think that this podcast is going to be a very good start um but I really really hope you enjoy it let us know what you think and we'll see you next week on Miracle Mindsets Okay, so hi everyone and welcome back to Miracle Mindset. So as you've you've just heard, we're here with Amelia today. Um, I'm really, really excited to have you on to talk all about body and health, fitness, body dysmorphia and all things like that. It's a topic that we've not got too much into before, obviously, I think 
with Sam's, we've done, you've done an episode on it through like what you've been through yourself. So we're really excited to speak to the professionals. <laughs> so do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, so like you said, I'm Amelia, I'm a nutrition consultant and I work predominantly with people who are trying to improve their relationship with food or their relationship with their bodies in some way and I also run an online nutrition course that specialises in a more compassionate approach to nutrition and I used to compete, I used to be a bodybuilder, about, I finished about four years, three years ago now, um, definitely don't do that anymore and so I'm kind of in the fitness industry predominantly but I try and give a bit of a more of a balanced message in the fitness industry that's like not just fatless 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 all the time. yeah so that about the bodybuilding it's such a common theme that isn't it that people who like are big on in like the industry now have done that in the past and like had like a negative experience coming out of it or like a hard time with it yeah I think a lot of people that go into competing have already got issues with their relationship with food or their relationships with their bodies and then they go into competing as a way to kind of control it and almost justify it which is 100% what I did I was like well if I if I am fall if I'm winning trophies it's okay that I'm constantly dieting and constantly obsessed with food because I'm doing it for trophies and I think a lot not everyone does compete and does this by the way but for a lot of people that's why they go into it and then they get out of competing and then they say well competing ruined my relationship with food and it's like it was not great in the first place competing just kind of covered it up for a little while and then you came out of it and it was probably worse because you just spent two years or four years, whatever it was, like so obsessed with it. And then you spend the next 10 years trying to not be obsessed with it anymore. Mm. So you see it a lot with people in, in fitness for sure. And being congratulated for it as well, like literally being congratulated for being the skinniest or fittest or most muscular. Yeah. yeah, it's like people say to you, oh my God, I really respect your willpower because you decided to bring a Tupperware for your dinner out. It's like, why are we celebrating that as willpower? Willpower is not being able to take Tupperware on a night out and not socialise. Willpower is like, well, achieving other things in your life other than just like lack of social skills and like getting leaner. But it's like that. It's but like that's a society thing, right? Is we sit, we still think that being leaner is a sign of someone who is successful and someone who has more self-control and more willpower, and maybe being in a larger body is opposite. Like we know that's not true, but it's such a diet culture narrative narrative that we've had for so long that we have to keep challenging I think I think as well like on social media like I, I said this in the little podcast that I did but you like look on social media and there's a very like narrow fit of like what is like beautiful like what like an influencer looks like and I think that as soon as you step off social media like you go into Asda or you go into like just any normal place it's completely different like it's completely varied, there's different ages, different sizes, but I think social media, as much as everyone preaches like, oh, don't take what you see at face value, like, it's actually hard not to when we're on it every day, eight hours a day, whatever, looking at other people, like, we might think, oh, yeah, I definitely don't compare, but you, we subconsciously are, I feel. Yeah, it's totally unavoidable. The only thing is that you can do to, un like, to not do that is to A, not go on it, or B, follow different people obviously but even then the way that algorithms work on Instagram for example they still show you the same sort of stuff and they still show you the same sort of people and so even if you're following all these diverse people you still end up getting like the same message on your on your feed which is why it's so toxic and it's easy for me so in my line of work and, and you guys I'm sure to look at bodies and say like that's not necessarily true but 
I could even say the same for like, say, so obviously I run my own business. If I see business owners on there, as much as I know that those business owners are putting out their best business stuff, I sometimes say, oh, I should be doing that. Or, you know, like they're, they're succeeding so much in this. And I'm perfectly comfortable with where I am at, with, with my business. But even then, even though you know all of this stuff, everyone I think is victim to that comparison thing. And you have yeah. to keep calling yourself out for it. And if you can't, you just can't use social media that much. You have to be really strict with your time because it's impossible to completely avoid it I think it is a thing of like self-governing now isn't it because people call out like oh I can't believe magazines used to compare these two celebrities and everyone's beautiful in their own way which is so true but then like they're not realizing that in their own life they're comparing themselves to like influencers or they're like still doing that to themselves like we're quick to call out somebody else but not realize that we're still doing it yeah and if you think back to like the olden days before we had social media if you imagine like there's a theory called social comparison theory which is basically what we're talking about right like how you compare yourself to people in your social environment but if you think back 50 years ago the only people you were comparing yourself to was people that were in your town or people that were in the street so you might see one or two people that you think oh they've got something that i want but realistically they're not going to be many people whereas now we are socially comparing ourselves to millions of people every single day the opportunity there to be to feel like demotivated and demoralized and less than is infinitely higher than it was 50 years ago and I don't think we were I don't think as a like people we were that ready for that shift so quickly um because how much easier would it be if you just think about who's in your town right now in terms of your comparison if that's all you were comparing against okay it would be so much simpler how do you think you now obviously I'm pretty sure when you were like competing and when you were in that headspace that you probably were worse for comparing yourself and like being in that kind of headspace how do you feel like you've over the over the past couple of years when you have got more self-compassionate things like how do you think you did stop yourself or at least like start to be able to govern yourself and wean yourself out of like comparing to everyone that's a good question actually I think I got really strict with my social media time although I did this when I was competing too so I would only let myself go on for a certain amount of time a day I wouldn't go on at a certain time at night and I still do that now like I won't open Instagram past nine o'clock at night regardless of what I'm doing maybe if I'm out or whatever but not intent like not sober I wouldn't open my Instagram <laughs> after nine o'clock at night because I know that as soon as I open it I'm letting these people into my space and that's when like if I'm not busy that's when I'll start to compare so if you're not doing anything that's when your mind is so easily ready just to start comparing and judging things so I think having strict social media timelines has been super important but I also think um being really compassionate with like you said with myself and saying like this is who I am and talking to myself kindly and accepting it's a highlight reel is really really important but mostly social media like filling my social media with a diverse body so when I was competing everyone that I followed was were competitors pretty much right fitness people now I deliberately go out of my way to follow people in larger bodies people of color people who share political news just try and vary my timeline as much as possible I barely follow any bikini athletes or anything like that anymore because I don't need a reminder of that being my own life I also don't find it motivating or inspiring in any way for me so I don't see the point of following it um but I think ha like you're you create what you see right so if you don't like something I got really good at just muting people friends mute them if they if I didn't if it didn't make me feel good and really actively trying to find all these different types of people because you don't compare to people when they're so diverse like you don't you compare to people who you think are quite like you right because you think well that could be me whereas if you're looking at 
really diverse people, it's a lot harder to say, well, that should be me or they're doing better than me. Yeah, it's so true. And then you're creating like a reality on your feed, aren't you? Like we were saying, we were, we were on holiday last week. We're at the beach and we're looking around and we're like, there is every different type of body on this beach and no one's bothered. Like everyone's just here for the sun and like the nice weather and the good times. Like nobody's sat there thinking like, back left, back left. There is a horde <laughs> of girls. Oh my God, don't look. Actually look and compare yourselves to every little feature of the that for you. Like you're creating like a reality. And like you say, like 50 years ago when people only had what's around them to compare, it was reality, wasn't it? You're not looking like a a bunch of models walking down the road yeah I think fitness has changed a lot too though because when I was competing it was like if you went to an expo for example it was all about people would diet for expos people would wear the tightest clothes and the least clothes and get a tan and it was all about what you look at whereas now like I've been at a couple of events in the last few weeks and not a single person would dare to say oh, I'm dieting for this IFS or I'm dieting for this because it's it's not what it, we're much more aware now that fitness is not about the way that you look and I think the industry has changed quite a lot and I think that's really like that's obviously helped a lot yeah we wanted to talk to you a little bit about like how you went from being of the mindset that like you know like the diet culture mindset or like the fitness and doing the competitions to then like realizing what was actually healthy and doing it to feel good and doing it for something else because I'm like I'm well aware that people might be listening who I think everyone has a relationship with food, like whatever that is, you're on some kind of spectrum and have like a relationship with food, whether you think that you do or don't. So like I want to maybe like speak to the people who are potentially struggling but don't know why or like maybe have like unusual habits or habits or disordered habits that they're not aware of now and like how you would get into a healthier mindset and what helps you. Yeah, so I think a good idea is to sort of say like what you're saying is like we have this spectrum of relationships with food so we have like an optimal relationship with food which is where you food doesn't preoccupy you it doesn't dictate what you do so you can easily go out for dinner with your friends and not feel guilty about it you're not constantly planning about what you're going to eat next but you might be planning your meals for your family that's like, like that's slightly different right so that would be a good relationship with food and then at the other end of that you've got eating disorders clinical eating disorders which we we are all aware of mostly that require clinical support so things like anorexia bulimia etc and then that's at one end so then on the spectrum all the way between that is what we'd call disordered eating all the way up to optimal eating and so disordered eating it doesn't really have a definition it depends who you ask for some people they'll say dieting is disordered eating i don't subscribe to that but disordered eating is basically where thoughts about food are negatively impacting you in some way so again it might be that you might panic if someone says should we just grab something to eat and you've not planned it so you start to get a bit nervous because you've not planned it into your day and you think well I've not I've had a big breakfast so I don't want to have lunch that would be a sign of disordered eating a bit of a red flag or if you're exercising to burn calories or to burn things off that you've eaten that's disordered eating so it's a big spectrum right and and most people fall somewhere there and a lot of people will go up and down it as well and so for like emotionally in kind of class the disordered eating because you're eating for things reasons that are not nourishment and they don't serve you well you're eating to kind of regulate your emotions and that's a really common disordered eating sign that we see now I see in a lot of people so that's everyone I think sits somewhere right and only you know personally where you sit only you can say, yeah, do you know what? I do feel guilty if I eat out or I fall into these categories. And like we normalize it a lot. We kind of say, well, it's totally normal to like 
track your macros every day for two years and it's not but their fitness narrative is that well you're just healthy like you're it's admirable to just keep track of your numbers all the time and that's not the healthiest way and if we look at like nowadays we've got a lot of research around what we call intuitive eating which is like quite a structured intervention right so I'm not going to go into all the details of that but intuitive eating basically means honoring your hunger your fullness and eating for health and it's much more holistic as a way of eating and we know that that's associated with things like better body image improved overall wellness lower depression scores improved overall health so that's a really healthy way to eat and that's the way that's kind of what we want everyone to get to that point because that's the most holistic way of like healthy eating um and so for me like I didn't like that wasn't talked about when I was competing I didn't really know and when I was competing I fell into binge eating and nobody told me that that happened a lot with dieting nobody spoke about it because it was like everyone was just like oh just grind harder just work hard in silence all of that bullshit stuff that was sorry that was pedal back then right so then when I kind of started it I started realizing this was going on I started looking at all the science behind it and then I found out this actually happens for a lot of people a lot of people diet and then develop these disordered eating habits a lot of people compete and develop binge eating and so I just started speaking about it more and more and the more and more I spoke about it the more and more people were like oh this this happened to me too and I suppose I just moved through it because I started looking at the research and said what actually helps like what can help these things and it was things like mindful eating it, it was things like intuitive eating and removing like a stopping dieting so all of these things that I've been doing for so long like chronically restricting and over exercising and punishing myself I was reading that these were the worst things to do for bad relationships with food and I got to the point where I was so fed up with it where I just couldn't cope with like that feeling anymore that I just started doing all of these things differently and then the more and more of these things you do the the easier it gets because you start to see the benefit you start to see the benefit of being able to go for a pizza and just have the pizza and not have dessert and come home and eat some biscuits because you feel bad and you think like that's a life-changing moment for a lot of people who can't just eat with their friends so the more things like that happened for me the more I thought this is something that we need to look into more and then like that's kind of how I got into it and then that's obviously what I do with clients now who don't have eating disorders but they just want to be able to go out and party and have a good time and then sometimes they might want to diet and that's cool but it never takes over their life and that's kind of I think where most of us want to be it is crazy that I think like what you were saying then like I used to be so bad with that like I literally refused to eat out like I throw food away like it just it just got to such a bad point and it's like so all-consuming like I've said this but like you wouldn't even be able to have space for like a proper flourishing relationship or like you don't focus on anything but food sometimes and I think it's like it's so misconceiving because I think that when people see the body like you said before like see you in this tiny frame or like they see this kind of like drastic weight loss like oh my god like you look amazing you're so disciplined and like it makes you think that what you're doing is like an act of self-love if that makes sense like mm-hmm. oh like I'm looking at myself and being so healthy but then I think that it's almost the opposite like I think the longer you like the longer you do it for the more you realize that like you aren't truly happy that like you can't enjoy the simple things of your friends or like you you are thinking oh perfect because I've ran like 10k today I can have a chocolate bar it's like this almost like weird dynamic isn't it that's like I think praise but it's just so not healthy yeah and do you know what like it's healthier to eat it's healthier to eat a pizza with your friends 
and then eat a balanced diet through the week, eat a pizza with your friends on a Saturday night and have a glass of wine than it is to eat and not feel bad about it than it is to eat broccoli every single day, then binge eat on a Saturday night and then start again. And yet for so long, we idolized the second one of those without realizing that's what we were idolizing and then told other people who were getting a takeaway every week that they were like not dedicated and that they were just being lazy and they were just like having a takeaway. And it's like social relationships are one of the main aspects of, you touched on a really good point. You were talking about a flourishing relationship, but when we're talking about holistic health, we look at flourishing health, which is things like social relationships, spiritual health, mental health, um, physical health, it's all of these things. And so for me, when I'm working with someone, it's like, you are healthier if you're socializing, you're healthier if you're going out on dates. Like I'll set my clients' targets to go out on dates because that's part of their overall healthy lifestyle. That is infinitely healthier than eating vegetables and eating protein, all of these things every single day without fail and feeling bad if you go off that. Those things are great, but not if they are the only things that you can do in the rest of your like healthy lifestyle. Is sacrificed. I love that. I, that's what I was going to say as you were speaking. I was like, it, health for me is like the full picture. Like, it's literally mind, body, soul. Like, it's having a take care on a Friday night and getting up on a Saturday morning and being like, oh, should we go for a like, gorgeous walk and look for the sunrise tomorrow? Like, it's the whole thing. It's feeling good. And like, from that, you just want to treat yourself well because you don't want to feel sluggish or you don't want to feel like you're not treating yourself. Like, it's the whole picture, isn't it? I follow him. Um, Siobhan do you follow Siobhan O'Hagan yeah yeah she does um like she used to have like disordered eating and things and then she put on like it just reminded me when you were talking about it because she put a story on the other day and was getting like she's seen an ice cream vending machine or something she was like because she was on holiday I would have used to be like right 9am I need an ice cream straight away because I'm in holiday mode now like I'm treating myself like I'm going for every little bit of food that I can get Whereas now she's like absolutely fancy. And I think like getting to that level is amazing. Like it's, it's the goal, isn't it? But yeah, it's, it's so process, isn't it? it is a process. Yeah. It is a process. And people think, well, if I let myself, because one of the ways that you do that is by saying, right, you can have ice cream whenever you want. Like I don't want, like I'll never say to a client, never have this again, right? But people get so scared because if you think you've spent 10 years saying, I'm not going to eat that ice cream. And then someone says to you, right, you're going to give yourself unconditional permission to eat that ice cream guess what happens? You go, okay, I'm going to eat a tub every single day. And then you, after about two weeks, you think, I've eaten a tub of ice cream every single day. I can't keep doing this. And then people give up and then they go back to taking it out of their diet again. And then they're back to square one. Whereas if you just keep going, you're not, the rest of your life, you're not going to eat a tub of ice cream every day. At some point, you're going to stop and you're going to go, actually, do you know what? I've had enough ice cream. And when you get to that point, then you've got that feeling that you're talking about with what Siobhan was saying, where you just kind of say, I can have it whenever I want it, so I don't need it right now. And then other times you're like, I really need it and I'll have it. Um, but it, it's that transition point. People are so scared and I understand it because I was totally the same. Uh, like if I got a Domino's, it would always be a large stuffed crust followed by Ben and Jerry's, followed by this. Whereas now it's like, no, I'll have half a large stuffed crust on one night and then I'll eat the rest tomorrow. Um, but people are so scared to do like that transition point where they give themselves that permission and I do get it. Yeah, I think like I used to be, I don't think like I have any kind of issue with food and things. I think when I was traveling with Sam, you can almost take on other people's feelings, can't you? Like, because it would be a topic conversation. So obviously Sam was like working through it at the time. I think like you take on other people's things. You start to think like, oh, is that the norm? Like, do I think that's, that's the only other point where like I've questioned. But I know that the only thing that I've ever done that like was unhealthy 
was I used to binge chocolates so bad but like when I'd come into school every night like literally I'd stop I was on the way home and like just buy shit and it was because I just got shit myself like I didn't want anyone to look at me I didn't want anyone to have any kind of attention or anything like that so it's almost like controlling that by being like right I'll just buy it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what like that's so but that's why people do overeat it's, it's usually always because they feel shit in some way or they're like they're, they don't want to feel whatever they're feeling so then they emotionally eat to distract that or to numb that feeling and it's like almost like a physical suppression of whatever you're feeling um so that's like that's so common and I think people think it's to do with their diet and they say I can't stick to my diet I keep overeating or I keep binge eating and really it's, and they blame the diet and it's not the diet I mean the diet's not helping but it's probably because of whatever's going on for you at that point that's what you're trying to escape from you'll know it yourself when you start to eat a bit more or if you overeat sometimes it's usually because there's something going on in your life that you're like I don't want to deal with this and it's horrible so I'm just going to eat instead I was going to ask like so how do you get or like how do you coach people from Obviously, when you, because I read a book called Just See It by Laura Thomas, and she said about um, basically the kind of like, you can eat whatever you want. And I think when I first started, like, it was that thing that I was just like, oh God, like, like I am eating whatever I want, these spare foods. And then, like, it's so easy to, when you do start eating the foods and, like, you do start probably binging a little bit as well because your body has been deprived of it for so long how do you carry on through that instead of like resisting and being like oh god I can't let myself go like this because I think the moment from like changing from like a rigid diet to like a holistic is that moment of like oh I'm letting myself go does that make sense yeah yeah I think there's a couple things there the letting yourself go thing is such a narrative that's a diet culture narrative right it's like why is letting yourself go a bad thing like letting yourself go for most people who have been dieting or overeating for a long time is the best thing that anyone could ever do. And it's the most admirable thing because you're not letting yourself go in the sense of you just don't care about yourself. You're doing it in a sense of you're giving yourself freedom. And I think reframing it like that, like letting yourself go is giving yourself freedom and not rigid rules anymore. Like that's the most important thing. Um, there's, like, I tend to do it. If, if my clients really struggle with it, I try, try and do it in quite a stepwise way. So it will be something like, say it's ice cream, right? I'll say, right. You're going to have, like, maybe you buy the little tubs of ice cream as opposed to the big ones. And then you're going to structure it into your day. Like, if you're having your regular meals, you're going to structure it into your day at a time when you're not hungry. So maybe that's going to be after lunch and you're going to sit down. You're going to eat it mindfully, which means no distractions, no phone. And you're just going to sit down after lunch when you're not hungry and enjoy your ice cream and notice the taste and textures. And then put that tub away and then carry on with your day. Because often... Again, we're used to eating these foods when we're really hungry, right? Because we've been restricted for so long. And so we eat them. And that one of the reasons we overeat is because we're hungry. So making sure that's in place. And then like journaling for everyone is so, so helpful regardless of what we even talk about. But in this specific context, if you write down, like, how did that make me feel? Did I manage to eat it mindfully? Did I feel like I wanted to overeat? Or, you know, did I manage to put it back and carry on with my day and kind of internalizing those wins? So you've got that narrative because... For our whole lives, if we've been overeating on a certain food, all we have in our heads is, I always eat on, I always overeat on ice cream. I always binge eat on pizza. So that's our, that's what we think is our reality. So what we're trying to do is say, that's not my reality anymore. This is my new reality. So writing it down and internalizing and say, look, my reality is that I could just eat that ice cream after lunch and it was absolutely fine. 
And then also, of course, there will be days where you, you eat three tubs of ice cream, like small tubs of ice cream after lunch, and you go, do you know what? I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't hungry for those. I'm a bit annoyed, but this is me learning and changing it to the idea of the more times that this happens, the more I'm learning what I need and what I want. And it's a necessary process because that's going to happen. And kind of removing the expectation that you're just going to be able to wake up one day and say, oh, I'm only going to eat this much ice cream and that's it forevermore. Like, that's not the case. There'll be sometimes, sometimes that I will eat a large stuff crust pizza still and think, I definitely wasn't hungry for that, but do you know what? I feel crap and I ate that. And that's okay. Like again, normalizing and saying that's totally normal sometimes, not beating yourself up for it. Um, so I kind of I try and do it like that with my clients. And then if there's certain like if they overeat on certain types of foods, like regularly, I'll say, right, every single day you're going to include one thing. You're going to have it mindfully. I don't care what it is, you can choose, but just one thing each day, just to remove the fear around it. We have to be quite structured with it sometimes, I think. I think with like overeating and things and like you're saying, oh, like once in a blue moon now, like I will have the three tons ice cream now, like properly beat myself up from it. I think it's like seeing it from the perspective and rationalising it from the you that you are now, like the healthier you that you are now that is, has like a better relationship with eating, might eat too much ice cream once every three months and it's not a big deal, but because you're still thinking from that perspective of someone who used to do it often and beat yourself up so much about it, it seems like a bigger deal than it is. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, we just have to learn to speak to ourselves better. And I think, again, speaking to yourself, like, would I speak to my child like that? Would I speak to my best friend like that? And if the answer is no, like, what do you expect to happen when you speak to yourself like crap? Like, if you spoke to someone on the street and said, you're a crap person, you're a failure, you can't do this, you don't deserve this, how do you think that person is going to respond? Because that's what you're doing to yourself every single day when you speak to yourself like that. Of course, you're not going to feel good when you speak to yourself like that. And it's not easy to like reframe the way that you speak to yourself, but you have, again, you have to be really like, hold yourself accountable and say, oh yeah, I'm speaking to myself like shit, so what do I expect? And really be on it with that, I think. Yeah, and I think honestly, like we, we've got a friend at the moment who's really struggling and then, um, I literally said to her, like, it is such a, like, an, when you can get over the fear, like, it is such an exciting journey to, like, come back to yourself. As she said, like, it's almost got to the point where, like, life isn't even fun anymore. Like, everything's so controlled and rigid. And I think, like, obviously a lot of people, calorie count and stuff, but that, that for me is something that completely takes me away from my relationship with my body. Like, I think when you just have this, like, number in your head, like, right, 1200 calories or whatever it is and like every day you're like you're keying it in and like you're like yes I've, I've reached that target today but maybe one day you're doing so much more exercise than you were the day before like and I think that sometimes that kind of rigidness especially if you do struggle or like don't have the best relationship with food is so like like detrimental because you don't you're not trusting your own hunger cues you're not trusting how much your body needs yeah but we've been told for so long so obviously you guys are quite a bit younger than me but for diet diet culture's been going on for so long like I grew up with Kate Moss at the time who said like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels and we've been told told for so long not to trust our own bodies that we can't trust our own bodies that um our bodies are for the male gaze and that's it and we have to follow subscribe to this diet culture and we need to follow these rules because that's how that's what success looks like so we've been conditioned for however many years of our lives not to trust ourselves so of course when it comes down to it we think I can't trust myself I need to trust these numbers but you're totally right like it's 
it's a way sometimes that we try and escape our own heads because you don't have the time to pursue your passion you don't have the time to fall in love and do all these things because you're so obsessed with these numbers and it's it's really sad but at the same time there's that side of it but at the same time there's the side of like what is it like that's your coping mechanism you're choosing to spend your time on those things because there's something that you might not want to deal with and so rather than deal with it you say I'm going to deal with this instead I'm going to focus on controlling my numbers instead or doing this so it's so freeing but it's also so terrifying because for a lot of people that's their coping mechanism and they don't have the tools in place yet and that's why it's so important to find the tools that support you they don't have the tools in place yet to deal with whatever they they need to deal with and so counting calories and tracking and exercising is so much easier although of course we know it's not easier and it's so consuming but you're right like a, a lot of this whole process is about coming back to yourself and starting to trust yourself and if you have a really low self-worth which again a lot of people have a low self-worth especially women then you don't automatically think you can trust yourself and so you it, coming back to yourself to say I trust myself I listen to myself is like why would I do that when I'm not worthy like why would I do that if I'm not good enough to listen to and so again a lot of it's a self-worth thing as well so there's so much to it we just kind of go oh it's calories but it's like so much underneath it I think would you say like across all your different clients is that the one overwhelming thing that's like the common theme between them the self-worth thing or is it something else or I think I think self-worth is quite like low self-worth is quite common in, in a lot of people I work with yeah I think because a lot of people who get into dieting do have low self-worth because dieting is often a, a way that we think that we're going to get validation or we're going to get connection or we're going to be accepted like we fall into dieting thinking that we're going to get that from getting leaner and that usually comes from a place of low self-worth or I'm not enough as I am so I need to change the way that I look to feel enough so that's super super common yeah and it's it's always on the to-do list isn't it even you like subconsciously you don't think about it, like oh what do I want to achieve over the next three months like well, I want to have this promotion I want to go on this holiday now throwing freezing the stone as well like it's so subconscious <laughs> wow. you don't think about it yeah what you said yeah and like what you actually said then about um it is like a it's so subconscious isn't it that's crazy like we just think we don't really question why we all want to get slim but I said massively like a big thing that I've really noticed and I think it was in reading it's like a feminist book is it like we all do it to like please men <laughs> like yeah. without knowing it like oh we're gonna look sexier for men or like all like we know that we're gonna get more compliments if we look like this and it's all part of the male gaze and it's, it's just and the cool. other way as well like I literally said before like oh I used to just eat like family size bags of chocolate because I just didn't want the attention like yeah well that's exactly the thing and I think we have to recognize like recognize that so much like you said when you're younger I think I did a post on this the other day but like when you're young and you're going through puberty and stuff if you don't know how to set boundaries for yourself and you don't know how to tell a man to piss off and you don't feel comfortable which none of us do until we're a bit older unless you know we're exceptional in that confidence level we don't know how to say it so you often we use food to just like to change our bodies so that we're hidden or that we remain childlike so that we don't grow up into these sexual beings for the male gaze so that we don't get the attention and that's why why food one of the reasons there's lots that food might become an issue when you're a teenager like you said um but at the same time like when we're older yeah we absolutely have that and i would even say that i've fallen free to that in the last couple of years and I'm a super raging killjoy feminist but even I'm like I think that man would probably prefer it if my body was different 
and I notice myself changing slight things and I think that's purely for their benefit and that's not what our bodies are here for but we're so normalized to think the female body is here to to support men and to be there for men that we change our bodies based on that and it's like why would you diet if you didn't think that a man was going to look at you any differently and that question alone is quite scary because I don't know if that would be the case oh it's everywhere like it's actually scary like I met someone yesterday who I used to work with and they were saying like um at one of my old jobs like she was in like they they went on a night out or something and he he was like um oh she like she some guy said about her to somebody else and then she was told like oh they get there they dress like that more often even like i'm reading the book at the moment and then it's said in the book that like women on average spend like 11 years getting ready and men spend four <laughs> it's just so oh. cool. <laughs> God, that's depressing that was depressing and and we've, gained, we've gained a year back in lockdown to be fair and, uh, <laughs> we don't care anymore i've been meeting people about makeup all the time <laughs> I know, I'm like that, and then I'm like, oh, I've not put makeup on for two weeks, that's great. I know, and it's terrifying, terrifying, but it's the same as diet culture, it's the way that, I mean, it's kind of drastic to say this, but as long as we're putting energy into controlling our bodies, controlling our looks, which we're doing a lot of the time for someone else, mostly men, we're not putting that energy into this. So for example, the last hour, I could have spent putting my makeup on for you guys to do this podcast, but instead I've spent the last hour doing admin and invoices and stuff because that's better for my business and it's like if you quantified how much time you spend thinking about food and it's not even just the time it's the mental energy you know when you're dieting your mental energy is a little bit lower and we know that like cognitive function is reduced when we're dieting and I'm not like men are still susceptible to this so this is not like a an only women thing but if your cognitive function is disturbed half of the year because you're dieting for half of the year Imagine what would happen if you weren't dieting and you put that pressure, like put that same energy into your work or your love life or your friendship or whatever it is. And and it, again, like I'm not against dieting for some people. I think dieting's helpful for a lot of people, but it, like you really have to think about what your reasons are for do, for doing it. And also, I would also say that a lot of men don't like we're not doing it for men, but we tell it's us that tells ourselves that men like our bodies in a certain way. And if you ask a lot of men, and this is something that I've noticed in the last five years as a 30-something woman, a lot of men are just like, that's not, you think that's what men want, but that's not what men want at all. And it's just this narrative that a lot of the time we perpetuate within ourselves as women. So we have to get better at holding ourselves accountable to that as well, I think. Yeah. I think, like, as of all things, you can overanalyze things so much. They're like, I was saying to one of my friends the other day, like, they've just moved away and they feel amazing now because like they're fulfilling like all the social things that they didn't know they were having over lockdown and like they're just living like their life as they wanted to but when they were at home and felt rubbish they were like I need to lock myself away and prepare myself so that I'm ready to flourish for like this amazing life but then they've just gone and done it and not overthought it and now they're just they yeah. are living that life and it's the same as like exercise and diet and things like that like you can sit and think oh my god like I can leave the house when I've got these extensions in and I look like this and I'm this weight and I'm eating this food and I go out and I look like this or you can just go out and it's normalized and you're around all different types of people you're speaking to men and knowing that that's not what they're necessarily after all the time and like it just becomes so much more normalized and I think like I do think as well that in the end though like 
when you just go and do it and you don't think about you don't think about the why like you do just actually go out there and do it it's not half as like daunting as you think and like I think when you are locked in your house and you think oh like I've got to do this it shouldn't the thing is with health and stuff if you unless you've got a job in it or unless it's like your profession it shouldn't consume your whole life like exercise and eating should just kind of add to it and be like I think like kind of at the back of your head you know what's healthy you know what makes you feel good and you're exercising to feel good it shouldn't be about like a mental game about like how worthy you are and you shouldn't put pressure on it to feel enough if you bet if you bet like this or worked out this much a week like it shouldn't be fully at the front of your mind if that makes sense yeah exactly it's such a good way to determine if you've got a decent relationship with food or not is to think like that does it add to my life or is it distracting me from my life it's a really quite a simple question but you've hit the nail on the head I think. that's such a good way to check in with yourself as well and be like oh like this time last year like that meal would have absolutely spent me under for a week I would have been getting home and running on the spot doing 10 star jumps or whatever like your habits may have been but then like now I went, I went out no yeah I went for a meal last Saturday I didn't even think of it like checking mm-hmm. yourself and like praising yourself when you've come like from the long like, way. what you said then like in the past hour I've done my admin I've done my audit like that's just so unreal because like when you were saying that this time two years ago like I would never have the space to have started like miracle mindsets like be able to do anything other than that and like I think like getting into a relationship or something filling those other aspects maybe realize that like focusing on the way I look is just <laughs> wasting my time because like yeah. if you focus that two years in another place you can be so much further on yeah and obviously we're not saying like don't wear makeup and don't ever die and don't do the like, like, we, on, no. <laughs> yeah I mean I wish I wish I was but like we don't like we we all do these things right so it's not about saying that that's wrong it's just about thinking well is the amount of time that I spend doing all of these things and the amount of energy I put into these things and what I, the worst that I put onto these things helpful to me that's yeah. really what like what it is and finding what's right for you which will be different what it is for me and different what it is for you guys but I think yeah we just need to get a bit more curious about why we do these things yeah definitely another subject that I want to talk about was like labeling bad foods I know like you've done a lot on your Instagram and stuff for it and like changing the language that you say to yourself with like foods what what would you say things like that in terms of like treats or like getting like a healthier perception of things like that yeah so what you're talking about is, is food neutrality is what we call it and it's it's kind of it's an intuitive eating anti-diet concept but we use it and any good nutrition practitioner will use it and it's just this idea of not calling foods like labeling foods cheat meals or good foods bad foods etc because what that does is whenever you say that you've had a bad food it immediately attaches like this feeling of guilt or this feeling of shame and if you have guilt, feelings of guilt or shame, then you're more likely to do things like subsequently overeat, subsequently restrict, subsequently try and do exercise, or just you just feel bad and we don't deserve to feel bad for what we eat. Um, so like, it's really hard to break out of that narrative, especially when you're like, oh, I've had some junk food, even junk food. I know what you mean when someone, like, we know what you mean when you say junk food, you mean probably processed foods. But again, it just has this negative connotation to it and, and it doesn't support your relationship with food. It, I just add stress to the way that you eat. So 
you, these are the types of foods that you tend to restrict as well and then you tend to overeat on when you do actually allow them because you feel guilty because you've had a cheat food and so you just think oh I've cheated now I may as well keep cheating it's like if you were cheating on your boyfriend right do you kiss them or do you go well I've cheated on them now I may as well just have a good time and then I'll deal with it tomorrow like it's the same sort of concept and we don't want to do that with food we don't want to do it with boyfriends either but we don't want to do it with food so I think it's really important that when you're buying food you're not saying oh it was really bad I ate x y or z and we just say do you know what I enjoyed that and focus on really I let myself have this food and I gave myself permission to have it and I chose to have it and it was delicious and I'm human and that's okay and then moving on and because food neutrality like that type of thinking um like non-black and white thinking is associated with things like reduced disordered eating habits and improved like overall relationships with food it's associated with like reduced binge eating so it's just in the language like it starts with the language and the more you check yourself with your language it'll start to go into your head a little bit more and you'll stop thinking so much like that but we're so we're so quick to do it so easy to do it like just in day-to-day language like I'll call my fam like my mom does it sometimes and I'm like but why is that a bad thing and she's like oh I don't really know like okay let's not call croissant a bad thing let's just eat it and she doesn't do it anymore but (laughs) how good are they but like she, she, she doesn't do it anymore but like it's that thing right we have to just we see it a lot in our own conversations and just being like, oh, it's not a bad thing. Let's just reframe it a little bit and be like, it's just, yeah. it's just a croissant or whatever it was. Do you think, um, like I wanted to know your advice because obviously we see, you see a lot of like, <clears throat> there's so many food pages on Instagram, isn't there? Like so many ones that will be like intuitive eating, but then they'll just put like mad, mad stuff on it. Like zucchini chocolate cake made of like the darkest of chocolates. And I think like, sometimes intuitive is also also has this link like on instagram is like raw and like yeah so much yeah totally and it's this it's like wellness right it's like this is what wellness looks like it looks like muted pinks yellows and blues it looks like really aesthetic pictures of food dark chocolate like you're exactly you're right and again like i think that's really toxic in itself like fine if you genuinely genuinely think that courgette and your brownies is delicious then go wild i refuse to believe that i would enjoy that but if you do that's fine but again it's what it does is saying this is what health looks like this picture perfect thing and it's like that is not what health looks like health looks like having a takeaway sometimes health looks like eating beige food sometimes but it also looks like vegetables and protein other times and maybe zucchini and your brownies other times like it's a really again it's just another toxic narrative like we blame fitness for so much we blame fitness for all of these like poor relationships with food and it's like well actually fitness is bad in some ways but so is like that wellness idea of this is what it looks like and it has to look pristine and perfect because like that I also think that when they put you know when the people put those bowls up of like um like flaxseed and strawberries and it's all perfectly presented and it's like every single time I try and make that it looks like I've just vomited up on the bowl like even if I do my best presentation and I think you're not even eating it like there's no way that you make that every single day and eat it and it looks like that I'd refuse I try really hard and they still look like crap and it's just like again it's just like it's just not reality and health is messy reality it's not pristine like it just doesn't look like that when you said wellness yeah it's literally that that you go on TikTok and it's like be that girl and it's like wellness and holistic and it's it is just again like it's social media and the things that it portrays but day to day you aren't being that girl 100% and you aren't eating 
zucchini brownies every hour like it's just like it's not good we used to make all kinds of stuff like that like i watched what the hell once on the train and then we were living together at the time and i got off and i was like i'm vegan now so i'm like we have to go to the shop like i'm a vegan <laughs> we went and bought all the stuff and we had the worst stomachs. We literally had like black bean burgers for tea. We were like lentils on the side. Black bean brownies were literally like Yeah. I I'm like I'm not vegan, but like I eat predominantly plant based foods and anytime I go really heavy on it, I'm like, ooh. Like at that point when we would be considered like dead holistic dead healthy like me and jen like my skin was honestly it is where it's where it's like i had no period like and we weren't happy do you know what i mean so like i think obviously for people if they can live that life and feel really good and it is healthy for them like amazing but i know that like being holistic and being having this wellness facade was just a way to cover up the fact that like i didn't want to be unhealthy and that like unhealthy for me made me feel like I wasn't being good. I think it's sense. funny like all the different ways that we can try and normalize our anxieties and like our mm. internal dialogue. Like we were saying like so when Sam was like struggling but like was free framing it in all different ways. I remember going and buying like a bottle of wine for my friend and she was stood in the corner of the shop and it was just like a random like Wednesday night or something. And she was like that is so weird. Like that is just really weird. Why are you doing that like to Wednesday night? And I was actually like, oh my, like, fuck, like, am I being, like, really weird now? Like, well, I need to change things up here. And wow. you can, like, normalise it in, like, the same way that somebody might be, like, really anxious about going on a night out or something. They're just like, oh, no, like, I'm not going on a night out. Like, I just don't really, like, don't care if that kind of music for that scene anymore. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You can try and, like, the little other things and to try and normalise it in your own head. Yeah, absolutely that. Like, you it's you judge other people for not having the same perspective that you do and it's like it's not that anyone's perception is wrong like i'm with you on a wednesday night bottle of wine but it's not that like that would be wrong. like it's fine if you don't want to do that but you do find that when you've got your own like quite rigid eating habits you judge other people like again you judge them as lazy for having a takeaway or you judge them for like i don't know drinking wine on a wednesday for example and it's it becomes quite a judgmental place and it's not a happy place to be like we don't want to be judgmental of anyone yeah. I literally remember like being in um, Hamilton Island with my mum and dad, like it's such a gorgeous place in Australia. Like they went and got like a massive shop and they bought loads of cheese and it sent me so under. I was like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I remember really coming and meeting you a week later and my mum was going, Samuel, that was fine, you think? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But like, I'm so the opposite of that now. Like, give me a cheese cracker, give me a wine on Wednesday. But it it takes. I think it does take a while. And like, it. I think this is what I was trying to say to our friend that's struggling. Like, you've got to be ready to let go of the idea that your body is going to stay in that tiny body. And it's it's so hard. Like, it, I feel like it is so hard to let go of that person that you think is so validated. And like, especially because. I was bigger when I was younger, so like I, I just feel like that shift for me. I was like, God, if I bloody let myself eat the cheese and let myself go, like I'm literally going to be dead, like unlovable again. But I eat the cheese and I'm happy now, and I'm, I'm not even in my body hasn't changed that much. Like, and I think probably because of the binging as well, I was bigger. But I just think when you're not preoccupied with eating, 
that is probably your healthiest weight. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly, you're totally, again, you're totally right. If you're preoccupied with food, that's not your healthiest weight. And I think that's a really clear, like, message. Um, but it, you're, you're right. You have to accept that your body is going to change every single day, every single week, every single year. Your body is supposed to change. And when your body changes, it means that you're living. It means that you're living a normal human life. Everything on this world changes if it's a living being. That's a sign of life. And I think accepting that rather than trying to cling on to something that is you've identified with as you. Like you're not your like you're not your body, you are you. And you're now who you are now is flourishing and is so much happier than you were before. And your body has changed slightly and so be it. Like that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you've failed that means that you've succeeded in becoming who you actually are but it's a very very hard thing to do is to let go of your body especially if you identify with it especially if you say I'm the healthy one of my friends I'm the skinny one of my friends I'm the fit one of my friends what am I if I'm not that lean anymore am I still that same person that's really terrifying to do and that can cause like that can cause us to really stick on our goals and you see the same with people who are dieting maybe who are in larger bodies and they they're like well I'm this person with my friend I started this relationship when I was in this body so if I change my body am I going to lose my relationship it's like no because the relationship is with you as a person as a soul but we're so we we when we don't really know ourselves that well we think it's our whole bodies and we just we're scared to let go of our body because we think that that's going to change everything and it doesn't and if it does, then it's something needed to change. You're so right, like with the whole letting go of control thing, and you're saying like it's not meant to be easy. Like it's genuinely not. If people listen to this now, they're probably like, oh, like I'll never get to that phase. Like, I feel so far away from that. Or like if if anyone is, but like doing the kind of work to grow, like isn't meant to be easy. You're meant to sit with so much uncomfortableness, and like you're literally full on confronting like in the face these fears that you've had and built up beliefs around so long and like you say you might have built your whole identity around it that oh like I'm a sporty friend like I'm the friend who does competitions or I'm the friend who like everyone always says to me so oh, like healthy one it's yeah. your identity isn't it and you're breaking that down and finding out what else is about you so like it's not meant to be easy or quick or like anything like that if it is bloody brilliant but if it's not like that's normal yeah and like like I'm 34 so it took me till my 30s to even get remotely to this point how old are you guys out of interest 23 yeah exactly right so like that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast because I just think I wish people were having conversations like you guys are having when I was 23 because you've got such a head start on me being 10 years older than you like nobody would have had these discussions and I think if you're in your 20s and you listen to this podcast it's like you're great like you've got all this time in the world now to do this work and this is that's so exciting you're not going to do what I did and get to 31 and have some sort of mental breakdown and then have to go through it all in your 30s like you're doing it all now so it's it, is, it does take a long time but you've got like I said you've got 10 years on me like you've got the time to do it it just takes perseverance as much effort into doing all of these things like journaling and trying these things and living your best life as it takes to put into counting your calories like it's just as much work you just don't get the immediate feedback so it's a bit harder to like stick with it but it's way more rewarding for sure you feel like the person that you used to be like in your 20s like do you feel like you're a completely different person and that like (laughs) this is what you were meant to be doing. Do you know what I mean? Like right now, do you think this is, like yeah. obviously the journey that you've been on, do you think it was for a reason and to now be able to be at this place to teach others? Yeah, for sure. If I didn't do whatever, everything that I did and all the, all the mistakes that I made, then I wouldn't be in the place I am now to do the stuff I do. So I'm really grateful for all of that. 
but I the person that I am now is, is like a completely different person I was judgmental I was chronically hungry chronically restrictive chronically tired chronically low sex drive a little bit like irrational very irrational like all of these things like, and and very rigid and very perfectionist and all of these things whereas now I'm like well you can see what I look like right now and it's just like it's just the complete opposite like like it's just a, a completely different person like it's a much more present and like free person I suppose so but you, you have to go through all of these things to get to the point where you are now and again I just think if people can get to this point in their 20s you're winning like totally winning I'm so glad you've got to that place now. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Where, so. where can everyone, like, if anyone's interested in doing coaching with you or anything, or can you let people know where they can find you? Sure. So my Instagram's the best place, Emilia Thompson PhD. Um, I'm always on there, so that's generally where I send people. PhD, congrats. I know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> thank you so so much for coming on and um, we'll leave all your details in the show notes and stuff but honestly thank you so much yeah for that was it's thank like you. honest conversation and i feel like it'll help so so many girls